On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. Roll along, we do. Thank you for tuning in and telling a friend that you hang out here on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, rolling along, raving along here. Studios that made Buddy Holly famous, broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across Hub City for the best wash around guaranteed racerwash.com a little shout out to roscoe wilson elementary in lubbock had us in to uh, talk about the radio program what it's like to do radio for a lot of wide-eyed kids uh, that uh, got to step behind the mic and see what that's like appreciate them giving us an opportunity there at roscoe wilson elementary and uh you know, we try to bring you local. I said this the other day, and I mentioned this earlier uh, in a previous episode. But you want my thoughts on the State of the Union address? First, tell me your four county commissioners. And the old adage is that all politics is local. But I think that's less and less true. And as folks begin, and I've said this a million times, as folks begin to see politics through the lens of national Republican versus Democrat, Democrat versus Republican, the less there is an appreciation for where they live. It all gets caught up in a national conundrum that's all theater. It's all theater. It's all theater on the national level but really comes home to be much more than theater on the local level. Uh, This news was from Wednesday. It's the end of an era for a staple in Hereford community, Hereford, Texas. Their bi-weekly newspaper, the Hereford Brand, has been a primary source for local news. This is from ABC7 in Amarillo primary source for local news for over 120 years on Wednesday they'll deliver their final edition I think every county whether in Texas or beyond has a story to tell and a lot of that story is told through the newspaper said Carolyn Walters Waters excuse me Carolyn Waters columnist for the brand as well as the president of Death Smith County Historical Community first issue of the brand was on February 23rd, 1901. Just weeks after its 118th birthday, the Hereford brand will go to press for the last time. It's like losing a longtime friend. Now, I feel like the community needs a newspaper, said Waters. We are a business like any business. If you can't break even, you can't keep your doors open. You got to break even, said Hereford Brand Managing Editor John Carson. Carson says failure to reach or exceed that break point led to the paper's demise. 
Folks, I'm going to ask you a question. If you don't have local newspapers, and sometimes the local newspapers are very guilty of promoting the local brand, promoting local community, don't, don't want to do hard head, hard-hitting investigation, which is we found on this program through Regent Gate and Rager Gate, uh, that's what draws attention. And sometimes papers reach their demise, local journalism reaches their demise because they placate to the powers that be. And I don't make an excuse for those. But when you don't have local journalism, you don't have people asking the hard questions. And it's a lot different with TV. Let me just say, TV, in my experience, is much more adept uh, to wanting to be prone to the powers that be. Uh, Is much more willing to go to where the advertising dollars are. But this update with a happy end. In Hereford, Texas, the headline says it all is a Hereford brand won a last-minute reprieve and will continue publishing. The newspaper was reported to end on Wednesday, February 6th. Former sports editor and wife to buy the 118-year-old Hereford brand. Glad to hear that. Uh, glad that local journalism tarries on. We're going to tarry on. Get in a quick break. Talk about local economy, West Texas economy, with our friend James Arnold of ABC Bank in Lubbock. You don't want to miss this conversation. We're going to talk about the top employers in Lubbock and what that means for maybe the way you maybe the way you view politics. James Arnold coming right up here on the other side. It's loud enough, you gotta yell now. The whole thing hits me like a song. Somebody who knows a lot about Lubbock and knows a lot about the region is James Arnold with ABC Bank in Lubbock. We like to touch base with him from time to time to talk about what's going on in the local and regional economy. James Arnold, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jake. I appreciate you making time to come on. Uh, Lubbock's top 10 employers, I put this up yesterday. Uh, Texas Tech University, number one. Texas Tech Health Sciences Center, number two. Covenant Health, UMC at uh, number four. Lubbock Independent School District at number five. United Supermarkets, here we have a private entity at number six. City of Lubbock. Well, Covenant is nonprofit. I should make that distinction. City of Lubbock, number seven, Interim Healthcare, number eight, UMC Physician Network at number nine, Sudden Link Communications. Some people would see that, James Arnold, and say, wow, that's a lot of public dollars at work. How does it actually work, James Arnold? How does the Lubbock economy, because we don't ever see a down whenever the like whenever there's a recession we don't ever really hit the places that other places hit why is that well there's a couple of things uh it it confirms that you know number one lubbock is a government town i mean when you got 82 percent or more of your top five employers 82 percent wow 82 percent of the jobs of our top five employers are government related jobs and so number one what it tells me is so goes Texas Tech, so goes Lubbock. 
And so as, as Texas Tech is growing and thriving and doing well and building buildings, that ripples through the economy bigger than anything else in Lubbock. So that's number one. Number two, local elections matter. When you look at those top employers, uh, you got the school board elections with Lubbock ISD, you got Cooper and Friendship. They affect a lot of jobs in this town. You've got county commissioners making appointments for and managing UMC's finances and all the, uh, and, and, and the Health Sciences Center with Texas Tech and all of that. So that, that's kind of a, a, a related takeaway. So yeah. those are things that you pay close attention to, the appointments especially. Well, I think everybody in Lubbock that's a taxpayer ought to do that because when there's that many jobs in Lubbock concentrated essentially at 19th and Memphis or 19th and Miami or 19th and Indiana, wherever you want to draw the line, you've got a lot of those jobs that we just talked about are right there within about a four-mile radius of that intersection. Uh, and so when they're concentrated like that around Texas Tech, Health Science Center, UMC, look at all the growth in the buildings that's been going on mm-hmm. with those with those campuses in the last 10 years. It's it's remarkable. And all of those jobs in terms of construction-related and, and growing those, those, those campuses are mostly private dollars supporting the public institutions. So the ripple effect into this economy is gigantic. Yeah. And I think I've had people say to me before, and because of my professional background, I understand the question, but they'll say, well, if you put small businesses, if you gathered them all up and and assess them as an employer, they would be number one. But James Arnold, there are a lot of non-taxable invoices going out to these small businesses based on the virtue of Texas Tech, Texas Health Sciences, Texas Tech Health Sciences Center, Covenant, UMC, LISD. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of private business that's directly related to Texas Tech, the Health, Health Sciences Center, and the medical district uh, that would not, there wouldn't be jobs in Lubbock had those entities not be what they are today. Yeah. And I always say, next time you're down at uh, tech cafe ask the guys who are in their uh in their work garb that have their names above their their pockets there with all their their pins in their pockets ask them where they're working and by and large it's at one of these institutions absolutely jay and you know not not to diminish the impact of agriculture on this region and this yeah and i should say james let me interject for just a second those numbers I gave were from Lubbock Economic Development Alliance, and they are non-farm sector numbers. So, of course, we don't mean to diminish agriculture. That would just play much more larger into this conversation. Absolutely. And so I've always said Lubbock's kind of a three-pronged stool when it comes to the economy. It's, it's agriculture, education, and medicine. And when you look at that top ten list, that kind of bears that out. Uh but that's why, that's why folks need to pay attention to who gets appointed to be a region at Texas Tech because they directly impact growth in the Lubbock market in terms of Health Sciences Center and the university. Uh, and, you know, a strong Texas Tech makes for a strong Lubbock. And uh, I, I believe that. I know you do, too. That's why I think it's important we have a Lubbock region appointed to the Board of Regents. 
Uh, I think that's critical for the future of Lubbock, Texas, and our economy. Uh, you know, UNC is one of the healthiest uh, tax-supported hospitals in the in the state and maybe the nation. We have great leadership there, but, you know, paying attention to who's on the county commissioner's court and who they appoint to those boards. I mean, it, it all kind of rolls into leadership at the local level is important, and that's why I think uh, local elections matter. Is there a regent... I'm going to ask you to step out on the political ledge here as you head up ABC Bank there, James Arnold, but is there a regent in particular, a regent candidate that you would throw in behind out of Lubbock? Oh, there's a lot of folks, Jay, that would make fantastic regents uh, that love the university and that have a business acumen uh, that, that, that that board needs. You know, Mark Griffin would be a great one. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, I don't know, I don't remember the latest. I don't think there's a woman on the Board of Regents today. Yeah, there's not. Uh, and you look at the student body at Texas Tech, and I'd argue there's probably more females walking around that campus than there are men. Not that you need to look at that. I think you need to hire the best candidate. But I know there are some qualified women in Lubbock, Texas, that would serve as fantastic regents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't have a lot of faith in our governor that he's going to make the right decision. That's, I mean, that's a personal issue of mine and a personal belief, but uh, he's done us no favors in the past. We all know the politics behind the vet school, and I've got a lot of faith and confidence in Dr. Mitchell that he's going to fight the good fight, and I hope our local delegation will rally around behind him and deliver that to Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, any female candidates that you have in mind James Arnold no no. not that I have permission to discuss over the air but (laughs) I just know there are a lot of qualified candidates uh, that went to Texas Tech that love the university that would serve the university well but happen to be female yeah Um, so on the farm let's talk about the farm sector for just a minute how big in your mind is um, I, I, I think it would be well, how should I say this? It would be disingenuous for you and I not to say that we've been um, more than ecstatic about Jody Arrington in his election and what that's brought cotton. But talk to folks for just a minute about how big cotton is and how big it is cotton's been brought back into the farm bill. Well, I don't, I don't have, you know dollar figures on that, Jay, but I can tell you, when we talk about so goes Texas Tech, so goes Lubbock, you could interchange agriculture and cotton farming into that mix, and it still applies. Uh, Just the the acreage that's farmed in cotton and the money that flows through local banks and the local automobile economy, the local, I mean, the local retail economy, uh, and to have protections in the farm bill that allows farmers to plant again next year and to stay in the game, uh, it's as, agriculture is as critical to Lubbock as uh, Texas Tech is. Yeah. Hey, let me throw you a curveball right quick, James, because you're sharp enough to take a curveball. Um, <clears throat> I'm working in commercial real estate now, and I see the fallout that's occurring with the Rager Dykes thing. I think a lot of banks are beginning to feel that uh, people a lot more apprehensive. So I've been told uh, to buy cars in Lubbock. What's the best outcome, do you think, on this Rager Dyke situation, James Arnold? Well, I think the best outcome for Lubbock 
is we have people, you know, we have local investors that step in and buy the local real estate that Rager Dax has today, whether it's in bankruptcy or from the bank or whoever. Uh, there's, there's some assets downtown that are worth something that are critical to the revitalization of downtown. And I hope there's some private money that can come in and, and keep those assets, you know, productive and, you know, on the tax rolls. Uh, that's a good outcome for us. Uh, it'd be nice if they could repackage the Rager Docks, you know, entities and let them continue to operate, maybe other, under a different name. But we've got enough reputable, qualified, operating car dealers in town where I don't see a major impact to local dealers if Rager Dax is, is in business next year or not. But I'd like to see some local investors step up and take care of what we've got going on downtown. Yeah. You got some inside information on who that might be? No, not that I've disclosed, but <laughs> not that I can disclose over the year. Yeah, I should... I should give you a heads up about what we're going to talk about so that you can get permission to talk about it on here. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, tell us what's going on at ABC Bank, uh, why folks should go down and start an account and be partners with you. Well, you know, we continue to invest in technology so our customers can, you know, essentially bank on the go, bank with their iPhone or at, at home on the computer. Or, you know, there's, there's really not a need to step into branches anymore. Uh, we can take the bank to you wherever you are. So that's an asset that, that we're proud of and continuing to evolve to take care of our busy customers. Uh, you know, the ability to move money within accounts, to pay people, you know, and do things uh, without having to come to the bank, and they can bank on the go 24 hours a day. So, you know, that's important. But, again, at the end of the day, when something that when they need something, there's an emergency, uh, we're a phone call away, and they can, you know, they can always call the bank for help and assistance. We're a relationship-driven bank. Uh, we bank people and not numbers and not accounts, but people, and that's important to us. And that, you know, you can, that, that, that's a number you can reach out and dial anywhere in the world and, and we can help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what else? Well, we've got mortgages. You know, there's, it's a great time to buy a house in Lubbock, Texas. There's a lot of great opportunities, uh, on the market all the time. We've got a full-time mortgage staff here in town to take care of folks with that people starting a small business, people thinking about starting a small business. It's always good to get a banker's perspective in terms of financing, like what can I do and how do I set this up. Uh, I would say reach out to your local banker at ABC Bank, and we can help you get it structured so you can be successful. Yeah. It's where we do business here on the show. They keep our accounts. hope that you'll trust them as well. I think we're straight shooting. That's why we started ABC Bank because – they're straight shooting as well. Anything else you got for us there, James Arnold? No, I hope uh, I hope we uh, have as good a year in 2019 as we did in 2018. We're off to a great start. Uh, we had a great January, and uh, we're just continuing to, you know, work hard and and, uh, and make an honest living and, and help our customers any way we can. Yeah. Well, James Arnold, tell them how to reach out to ABC Bank. Well, we're at uh, the Internet at uh, theabcbank.com, or you can dial 775-5000, and uh, we'll get you in touch with the right people. He's a good guy to be in touch with, James Arnold. Candid thoughts and a good bank to to boot as well. Uh, appreciate you making time, buddy. Jay, I appreciate it. Have a good Thursday. All right. You as well, my friend. Bye-bye. Hey, uh, tomorrow coming up on the show, 
we have Coach David Yost. You might know him by his hair. You might know him by his offensive coaching proclivities. His uh, He's been pretty well established in Division One, and a great interview with him. I want to tell you a little bit about that as we come back from the break. Going to go to a quickie break right here on the other side. Hope you'll stick with us right here on the other side of Texas. Shake the dirt off your shoes, come over, take a seat. Knock that chill off your bones. Got food on the fire, can I get you something to eat? Make yourself at home, yeah, I'm on the run. I'm looking out, searching for something that I still care about. I'm looking up to the sky. And here's the deal. If you're a buyer or a seller, especially if you're the seller, who do you want that title done through? All you got to say is Title One. That's where we want it because we list them on the other side of Texas. Uh, let's do the Title One thing because that's uh, somebody that we trust. Earlier, I opened up the program and talked about the Hereford newspaper closing, a listener from Hereford saying the Hereford brand is lucky to have a whole searchable database for its history. I can find ads my grandfather placed for cotton pickets for cotton pickers back in the nineteen thirties. Many newspapers don't have this kind of archives. Something the small towns should invest in to preserve their history. No doubt about that. There has to be a paper of record in a place where you can go back and you can find these things it's essentially like a library a library of congress closing in hereford or in a mule shoe or a childress or a plains or a morton or even a lubbock uh once you lose that you lose everything and you know there are critiques to be made but before you unsubscribe we should ask those questions and not just go to Drudge Report to see our worldview. And that's not me taking a dig at Drudge Report, but if that's how you see your place, then you miss it. We just talked with with James Arnold about the makeup of the Lubbock economy. If you listen to national politics all the time, what you hear is privatize everything. If you privatize everything in Lubbock, Lubbock would sink. It would absolutely sink because if I were a Democrat, what I would do is make the case for how Lubbock has a proclivity, not a proclivity, I don't want to wear that word out. Lubbock has a knack. Lubbock is the leader in showing how you can make government work for you. There's no doubt about that. Last night, I take the boys to watch their younger sister sing the national anthem and they're on they're at the lady raiders basketball game public entity at the lady raiders basketball game buying hot dogs for two dollars a piece with nachos and then sitting and enjoying the game and they're on the camera jack gets to go out during halftime i don't know how it started with a national tirade and got into this but here we are Jack gets picked to do the race at halftime, gets beat rather soundly, but still got to go out and compete in that 
an opportunity he would not have had otherwise, and that is Jack's foray into opportunity that's presented by good government. And there are people who would listen to this program and say government limits all personal uh, all personal responsibility, all personal uh, oppor- opportunity, and uh, it's just such a fallacious lie. It's a lie. Government, when stewarded well, and I think with the city of Lubbock, with the county and... You know the county's kind of we're, we're the jury's out right now on the jury on the county commissioners that we just elected. Though I hear Chad say is making all sorts of efforts to be a good. And what I hear more and more is where is Jason Corley? By the way, where is Jason Corley? He sure he went in and he said I want to cut my 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 salary and that's great. But this is your main vocation now, Commissioner Corley. And where are you? That's a question that a lot of people have begun to ask me. And something I'm going to talk about more and more. Where is Jason Corley? If you're going to cut your salary, then you ought to be at your job. And the more and more I hear Corley is not. Somebody who would take an opposite line with me about government. Well, why don't you just reduce, rather than us paying you some $100, $200 an hour for the hours you actually work... Why don't you show up for work, Corley? And you can come on this program and you can talk about it more. But it's something I'm going to continue to talk about. Don't you don't you go and flirt with, I cut my salary and then screw us in the end. Because it's a pretty apparent by many different sides that I'm getting from this that you're not doing your job. But back to the situation at play, good government, when it's harnessed by taxpayers and Lubbock has a legacy for doing that, works out pretty well for everybody in the end. And that's why I make the case I do about the top 10 employers and how the economy works. And there are crazies. Guys, listen. The next time you hear somebody on social media or read somebody on social media waylaying on Lubbock and the surrounding area being crazy government-stricken, government-inhibited, government-handicapped. I want you to just ask one question. Are you ready? Four-word question. Where are you from? Where are you from? And I give you permission to use a dangling participle there. Where are you from? Because one of the loudest guys I hear locally is some damn Yankee who came down here from Nebraska and wants to tell us how to run government. It often says things about, you know, I'm a liar and this, that, and other. Where are you from? Uh, if you're not from a place, if you don't understand the continuity of knowledge that makes the place thrive, that makes it stand, then you don't have much else to tell me other than than you're ignorant as get out. Ignorant with an E. Ignorant. Um my little tirade there. Uh, but I am going to start the campaign, hashtag where is Corley, and um, get more answers from him. You can't work from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, if that was, if that's what you needed to do, then you shouldn't have run for the job, number one. Number two, you shouldn't acquire 
the salary that you acquire from good citizens and stand up on behalf of uh, smaller, limited government. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, that's fair. You are running smaller government because you aren't tending to your job, but you aren't doing your job. And uh, my personal bias here, that's my county commissioner, and I take a lot of uh, a lot of umbrage there and think that Jason Corley needs to do his job. If you think Jason Corley needs to do his job, why don't you tell me you're listening to the other side of Texas and you think he needs to do his job as well. Somebody who does a good job is our friend Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions, not on the taxpayer dole. He's not here working for the taxpayer. We're going to get in with him and talk about some technology here on a Thursday. Get in with him just here after the break. Hope you enjoyed my little tirade. I try not to be ugly, and I've not said anything personal against Jason Corley or anybody else um, other than asking where they're from. And that's not to ask where Jason Corley's from, but Jason Corley needs to do his job. And, uh, is not sorry to localize the show so much for all those who are listening to a podcast but if your county commissioner is working just a handful hours a week then you need a new county commissioner and that certainly seems to be the case in lubbock county get into a quick break mike bazaar you don't have to comment on anything that i just said you can just keep your name off of it uh get in with mike bazaar on the other side um mike bazaar hold on let's tease it what are we going to be talking about here so we got a couple of things. One, do you need gigabit bandwidth? Two, YouTube and child pornography. And three, I think we could uh, maybe get into privacy and rights and a few other things. Oh man, that's pretty loaded docket. I'm going to try not to go into paranoid status with you. Hey, uh, I brought a tinfoil hat special for you. If I ever run for anything, it's going to be my segments with you that they run <laughs> on commercials. <laughs> Uh, Mike Bazaar coming up with us right here after the break. Stick with us on the other side. Hey, welcome back in to the other side. Mike Bazaar, who gets me all crazy. I've been warned that when Bazaar comes in, uh, Leeson, you got to calm down because um, he gets your paranoia antennas way up. And, and that's all right. I mean, I'm socially conservative, and I think that you kind of tap into that. And yeah. I think you actually leave here from time to time and think, man, I really got him worked up today. Uh, well, yeah, sometimes I worry that everybody's just going to try to move off into the boonies and get rid of the internet and technology and i just think people need to understand what they're doing and a lot of them don't and the big problem is is the kids that have grown up with it the millennial generation and and some of the very tail end of mine they don't understand all the stuff they're sharing and the implications or that they're doing yeah i mean you sent me a video today a guy laying out the case that any tap that you do on your screen yeah. It's being followed by developers of the iPhone. Well, of different apps, right? And so yeah. that's it. Like, they've, they've laid out, so we can hit that one real quick first. So Hold on, hold on. Okay. Other Side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen Horton Brown, LLP with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas. 
employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. Mike Bazaar, as you were, my friend. Yeah, so this article is on TechCrunch, I guess, is where it came out. And TechCrunch researchers were doing a little bit of research into some of these apps. And they named um, a couple of travel apps specifically. Uh, but there was quite a few that, that were out there. And they basically, I mean, the assumption is when you download an app and you hit submit, you expect that data to go to their servers. You ex- right? You're you're searching for a flight. You're looking for a hotel on Expedia or whatever. You, you expect if you type stuff in and then hit search, they get it. But do you expect them to see everything while you're typing and clicking around on the app itself? Mm. And that's what's happening is they're finding a lot of these developers are trying to figure out how people are using their apps which in itself isn't necessarily some evil bad thing, but what they're doing is tracking everything that you're tapping and doing while you're in their app. And so every click on the screen, everywhere your finger touches, everything you type in a keystroke while you're in their app, they're tracking that. And so to me, that's just a little bit scary of why. I mean, that, I mean, they want to improve the app, and I get that, but gee whiz, do you need all of that data? Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems like you should do a, you know, test groups and have so, people but, sign up for okay, that or whatever. So the obvious question is going to be what are they doing with that data? Well, they say they're improving the app, but I wonder if not only are they improving the app, but they're improving their advertising, they're finding new ways to send ads to you, they're, you know, how do you look at your screen, where do we place our ads? They're they're monetizing you for the most part is what I would say, right? Because even improving their app, they're improving it to make it easier for you to spend money to book a flight, to get a hotel. I mean, like I say, the travel apps were the ones they mentioned specifically, but there are several others they had. I've got to go find the article again to see. But I don't think people, again, it just to me goes back to people don't realize the amount of data that we give up because of smartphones and some of the other things that we do. Now, they make your life super easy, and there's a lot of plus sides, and that's where I say I think people put their tinfoil hat on and go, ah... But it just goes back to if if you don't need an app, don't download it. If you're not going to use it, don't download it. They're going to probably harvest more information than you realize. So if you're going to use it once, use it zero times, you know, and use the apps that you want to use, and that's great. But don't go try every new app that comes out and go, I'm just going to go try this. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're just giving away a ton of information. And the big problem is that down the road this becomes total lack of privacy, uh, potential for blackmail and other stuff, and that's where we can get into there's all these sextortion and other things that are going on with send emails saying they've seen you do things on your computer and look at dirty sites and whatever else. And all of that is coming because somebody somewhere's leaked information, right? Whether it was just an email address and they're sending out blanket, you know, emails or whatever, but that stuff's out there. And it's not hard for a bad guy to say, you know what, Ashley Madison, which is a website that was all about cheating on your spouse. So if you're, you know, I guess morals are loose that way, then maybe there's other things you'd be worried about doing that would damage your reputation. There's this huge data leak that happened to that a few years ago. That was all big news. Mm -hmm. I can go buy that email database for not very much on the dark web if I wanted to. And now I can send emails to every one of those saying, hey, we saw you doing dirty things and we're going to tell everybody. Mm. Pay me money. It'd be so much more lucrative for you to become like the dark web guy. Oh, totally. Why not? I can make a lot more money. Jail. Jail. Yeah. I'm I'm an upstanding. Jail or moral conviction? It's really more moral conviction. I mean, I don't want to go to jail, but, you know, I appreciate that. I didn't want to give you the opportunity to sound sanctimonious. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. No, I just, I mean, that's not me, but it is. You look at it and you go, holy moly. I mean, these guys make a ton of money. And, And that, I mean, deleted, so... 
they arrested a guy in the Ukraine. This was several years ago. He made fake antivirus, which basically popped up on your computer and said, you have a virus, pay us 50 bucks and we'll clean your computer up. Mm-hmm. And so you paid him 50 bucks, and then the thing went away. It didn't do anything malicious, like overly. It wasn't stealing data. It was just taking your 50 bucks, basically. But it didn't do anything helpful either. That guy made $130 million in like nine months. So it's profitable. So when people say, wow, I don't, that, that's why they do it. It's a ton of money. Which we can use to segue right into, do you need gigabit internet? Because I think the internet providers are trying to get into your pocketbook. Oh, well, I was just this week yeah. told, you know what, we've just gone up by 100 megabits. Yeah. Be uh, 10 more dollars a month. Uh, you have a problem with the internet speed at your office. So I told them, I think it's okay. So let me ask you this question. This is a sidebar. Yeah. Do Apple products typically run slower on the internet than Windows products? I don't think so. Okay. Because that's kind of been my experience. It's it's kind of clunky. Okay. So I said, no, the guys are doing great. Um, I've never heard them complain about the internet speed. Yeah. Uh, thank you, but no thank you. And you think it's wise that I told them no thank you? Uh, absolutely. Because I think it was uh, go up from 200 to 300 megabyte. Yeah. And so what we find when we look at, you know, we put fancy routers in lots of places. And what we find is most people are using between 10 and 20 megabytes. So there's 8 bits in a byte. So 10 would be 80 megabits, which is what the internet guys are selling, right? They're selling megabits to maybe 160, Mm -hmm. 180 megabits. So if that's what you're using, that's what you need to buy, right? I mean, maybe a little more because you want maybe potentially burstable speed, but that's the max. I mean, if we go look at a lot of routers for a 10, 15-person company around town that's doing work, right? They could be web-based, you know, insurance companies or whatever else, right? I mean, we look at them all the time, and... And they're using, on average, like 8 to 10 megabits. They're not using that much. And so for your house, the thing I always tell everybody is buy the cheapest plan you can from, specifically this one would be sudden, like, um, that has no data cap because NTS doesn't have any data caps. But you probably don't need gigabit. And if you buy gigabit, you're probably not getting gigabit. And and that's the other side of it. If you have to choose between NTS and Suddenlink, fiber, which is what, Locally, all of yeah. Uh, yeah, all NTS. Well, not anymore. They're owned out of South Dakota. NTS got bought. Well, I'm just talking about in the Lubbock market. Yeah, but, but go ahead. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, and anywhere else, this would apply. Cable versus fiber, right? So, if you're going to get cable modem versus fiber, fiber typically has lower latency, which is the time it takes for you to go hello server and the server to go hello you, right? That communication between you and Google or whatever else that's latency. So, the faster you know, lower your latency, the faster the connection will feel. Even if you took 100 megabits on both and said, I've got a 100 megabit pipe or a gigabit pipe on both, fiber will probably have usually anywhere from 3 to 10 milliseconds faster. Now, we're talking milliseconds, so you may or may not notice, but when you go to a website, it might make 100 requests to load pictures and all the other stuff that's going on, and if every one of those is a little faster, it all adds up. So I tell everybody, look at the upload speed. So if you have 200 meg internet, you probably had 10 or 20 meg upload. Look at your upload speed because that's always slower. And get, you know, 10, 15, 20. If you've got voice over IP and some other stuff, maybe you get up a little bit higher. But buy off that number, not the big one, because the big one's usually way more than you're ever going to use. Mike Mazar, Mazar Solutions, raving on on the technology front. Just trying to save people some money. Yeah. Uh, so tell me, 
My wife, we have a rule, no YouTube. It's a good rule. You cannot watch YouTube. Now, there's this other thing called KidTube that they can watch. Um, And we made that rule, and they follow it. But you can watch KidTube for, like, all your toy videos or they're yeah. young enough yeah that they aren't uh, they can watch american funny america's funniest home videos yeah or now it's just america's funniest videos yeah uh on the apple tv but it seems like there's some i, I feel justified now yeah. after you sent me some stuff today about what's going on on youtube and people trying to solicit kids for yeah. The most indecent of things, like Dante's Ninth Ring. Yeah. Bad thing. Yeah. No, it is. And and this goes back to you've got to talk to your kids, right? And so whether you set rules of no YouTube or whatever it is, but the what you're specifically referring to, there's a YouTube star. Name was, I think, Austin Jones or something. Anyways, he sang covers to popular songs a cappella. Had a huge following. And so he would have people message him. And a lot of them were teenage girls. So he said, prove to me that you're my greatest fan by sending me inappropriate videos of whatever, right? And so some of it was suggestive dancing or whatever it was. So, again, inappropriate. And this guy's what? I think the article said 24, 26 years old. And so it's not that YouTube is inherently bad, but if you aren't policing it, your kids certainly aren't. And and to me, it's even a good example of this. Like, it, it made me mad during the Super Bowl that they aired ads for horror films. And they know there's kids all over America sitting down and watching it. Mm -hmm. And I can tell my kids to stop watching it or whatever because it's not appropriate to them. But if your kid's sitting in their bedroom watching YouTube, you don't know if they're messaging those people or anything else. And so, like, with our kids, they play a couple of games, Roblox and some other stuff, mostly with their cousins. But other people are in those games. And we just tell them, you can't have friends on the Internet. You know, and so like, hey, this guy gave me this thing. That's great. You can't have friends on the internet. You don't know who they are. They don't exist. Like they're they're not your friends. They're just other people. And you can be friendly, but you don't have friends, and you can't share information. And and you have to ingrain that in them to an extent. Again, not to be paranoid, but it's just like Musically was this one app that was out for a while, and and there were several articles that came out about how there was a lot of sexual predators on it. And you know, and and you look at what kids have access to and some of the stuff that's out there and some of the burdens that they're carrying and there's story after story that comes out about uh, like I read one the other day and it was a teenage girl and her parents grounded her from her phone at night they said at like 9 or 10 o'clock whatever bedtime was we get your phone and it was like a weight off her shoulders they found out she was staying up till 2 and 3 and 4 in the morning on her phone talking Mm -hmm. to her friends and they're airing their problems and all this other stuff and they've got suicidal thoughts and and they're trying to help and nobody's seeking help anywhere and when they finally said this is crazy like we see you're falling asleep and you're not attentive you can't have your cell phone and that's why they started doing it then everything else poured out about how she was trying to solve all of her friends problems and she had to have her phone so she could continue to communicate with them and it was this whole big deal and that to me just goes back to if you don't talk to your kids and set rules and boundaries and follow up with them it seems authoritarian and that's why you know i think one of the first times i came on we talked about how to keep your kids safe online and i wrote an article and stuck it on our facebook and my linkedin page and and some of it was about putting apps that track what your kids are doing and again i'm not for spying on your kids i'm doing air quotes here but but i think you need to keep tabs on them and you need for them to understand that it's it's your phone, not their phone, and you're letting them use it. And for their own good, you need to watch over their shoulder and protect them. And 
there's just so much crap that can go sideways. And I don't think, I mean, all it takes is a couple of people and, and you've got a couple predators and how many people do they go take advantage of? And I don't know. It just, so what's going to happen to this guy soliciting kids? So YouTube at first said they weren't going to suspend his channel because his channel was really about singing and this other stuff wasn't about that. Then they backed down and they, so they've totally suspended his channel. Um, I think if he found guilty of all that, well, they did find him guilty of child pornography charges. And so my guess is he's going to jail and now he's lost his YouTube revenue as well. If they've pulled his channel and some of these guys are making, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars a year, if they've got big following. Hmm. So from a financial perspective, you know, I'd say he's fairly close to ruin. Mike bizarre, bizarre solutions. Is it uncommon for somebody to get their channel pulled? I mean, is there some sort of litmus that YouTube has? Well, they've, <laughs> anybody that has their channel pulled probably says there's no rhyme or reason to it, and they just do what they want. So they've got their community standards, and one of them is you know no inappropriate content and some of the other stuff, and so that's why they pulled this channel saying it violated that. But you know, I I think they get some of this in today's age is how loud are you, right? I mean, Alex Jones is crackpot as the guy can be. He got his channels for a while and then eventually got pulled off all the social media, and it's because enough people yelled and said he's a crackpot, when really enough people should have just yelled and said, quit listening to him, and he'll go away on his own. But he's there because people listen. Do you think that social media needs to... Now, with the exceptions of the child predator, is it a point in time in which these should be taken over by the federal government to say these are federal utilities, almost like water or electricity. Because I do think, I'm not empathetic with Alex Jones, and I play Alex Jones sound bites on this show (laughs) from time to time to show just how crazy he is. But I do wonder if it is a point in time in which you begin... Leave me alone, you idiot! (laughs) I wonder if it's a point in time in which you say... Because a privately owned company is not going to respect the First Amendment by the virtue of them being a private company. They don't have to. They can do what they want. But it it does, there are parts of me that are concerned that you get on the radio station and you begin to, and let's say I put it up on SoundCloud or on Anchor or all the other places in which this podcast can be found. Uh, because I say something that upsets somebody, they could take me off and blackball me. Yeah. Uh, then you're secluded from the market. You're out. Um, and maybe it's a matter of time before that happens to me. I don't know. Yeah. But I wonder if it's time to begin to federalize a YouTube, a Facebook, and say these are main modes of communication, and we're going to protect First Amendment rights. It is. I mean, the the hard part to me is the only reason why YouTube is YouTube is because Google monetized it. And so if you can't get paid for having a following, then why would you create content, right? So I think the, the problem becomes if you regulate this and it becomes part of the government and there's no way for people to make money off of it, they'll just stop doing it. And then they'll go do something else. And it won't be called social media. It'll be called unsocial media. Right? I mean, some other industry will just crop up with a different name and fill the hole. Mm-hmm. And that's that, to me, is the hard part. And then it, I think also it could potentially be a slippery slope when you start taking over 
outlets that disseminate information of any kind, right? I mean, think of the uproar if they started nationalizing all the newspapers or all the TV channels, right, and, and all the newscasts were federal government run. And, and so I think it's a real slippery slope. I think there needs to be regulation around it because of things like the sexual predators and some of the other stuff that's going on. Um, and then I think there needs to be a huge education campaign for, for parents. Like, you, you need to educate your kids and you need to understand what the risks are but it's amazing to me that in today's society, you can go play and do whatever you want on the internet, but you can't walk half a mile to a park. You know, the, the free-range kids debate and everything else, right? Where the kids got taken out of the home in Chicago or wherever it was because their parents were letting them walk a half a mile to the park by themselves in a safe neighborhood. You know, I used to ride my bike a mile and a half to my grandma's house. And and so there's this huge shift, and I just... I, I, you need guardrails, but I think a lot of it goes back to personal responsibility and making yeah. sure you're there. But I also get the same time, a lot of the private companies as well will cave to whoever yells the loudest, no matter how small that minority might be. Yeah. Mike Mazar, not only does he talk affluently and with a great deal of acumen on these issues, I called your guy, uh, Michael. Yes. Michael. Yeah. Help me set up my office phone the other day, Bizarre yeah. Solutions. Tell them to get a, how to get a hold of yeah, Bizarre so, Solutions. Uh, and you're setting up my new Mac. We are. We got your yeah. battery in it and everything's all set up. Sweet. Yeah. I took so. in my old – it's a MacBook Air, so yeah. it's not that old. Yeah. But I said, hey, man, make this thing great again. And you did it. Yeah. We're yeah. putting a red hat on it. All right. <laughs> no, so uh, I just heard all those, all those radios <laughs> click off. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so it's uh, 806-853-7757 or look us up on BizarreSolutions.com. Also, I've been posting about every week little two, three-minute videos on YouTube. So go find our YouTube channel, and then maybe I can monetize that. Yeah, go check out Mike Bazaar, Bizarre Solutions. <laughs> um, appreciate you coming on, yeah, as always. Informative with Mike Bazaar each week here on the program for Mike Bazaar for... Our friend James Arnold at ABC Bank. Appreciate you tuning in. And that you're sharing it with your friends. Uh, tomorrow, David Yost going to come on the show. Offensive coordinator at Texas Tech University. And we're also going to get Sarah Self Warbrick on the show. Talk about the latest with Rager Gate. Get into that tomorrow on the program. Until next time, going to get home. Got to get home. Great family. Above average dinner. It's going to be a little less than above average because I'm in charge of dinner tonight there at the Ponderosa. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you next episode here on the other side of Texas.